living the worry-free life. Church, you can live the worry-free life. Amen. I just want us to go quickly to Matthew 6, verse 25 in the NIV uh, Bible, please. And this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 6, verse 25 in the NIV Bible. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? I mean, Jesus is telling us to not worry. Let's fast forward six uh, verses later, Matthew 6, verse 31. In the NIV Bible as well, Matthew 6, verse 31. Again, Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? I mean, Jesus has said, do not worry once, but he's saying it again. And for good measure, if we go to Matthew 6, verse 34... Jesus says it the third time. Matthew 6, verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So three times in the same chapter, Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus is going to say, do not worry three times in the same chapter, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to listen to it. Okay? I'm actually going to receive it, and I'm actually going to stop worrying. Amen. You see, what most people don't realize is that we were never designed to be anxious. Our bodies were never designed to carry anxiety, worry, and stress. Also, what most people don't realize is that the same way that God works through our lives by faith, the devil gains access to steal, to kill, and to destroy our lives through our anxieties, through our fears, and through us just being stressed out. We learned from the statistics about three weeks ago when we started this chapter, well, this sermon. Pastor Tafaris told us that South Africa is the second most stressed out country in the world. Number one being Colombia. Number three being Nigeria. So two of the largest African economies feature in the top three list of stressed out countries in the world. Church, something is wrong with this picture, right? Pastor Tafara also shared with us that in South Africa alone, we spend over 15 billion rands each month, not each year, but each month on stress-related issues. South Africans spend over 15 billion rands a month going to the doctor to get pills to sleep, to get pills for anxiety, for depression, to go and see a psychologist because they just cannot sleep at night. They cannot function in life because they're anxious, they're worried, and they are stressed. And, and for me, the sad reality of it all is that this statistics not only apply to the world, but now even more and more than ever, we're seeing more and more and more people in the church, in the church people, living with stress, fear, worry, and anxiety. What is worry? Worry is confessing, oh, sorry, worry is meditating on the lies of the enemy. Yeah. There's actually um, a definition for worry which says that it, it literally strangles or chokes you. Worry is to be strangled or choked. Church, worry can choke your life. 
Worry can choke the life out of your life. And as we meditate on the lies of the enemy, and I say lies of the enemy, because most of the time what we're worrying about will never manifest anyway. He's lying. There's no truth to what he says. And when we focus on these lies, we're actually just wasting our time. I'm just going to ask um, you guys up uh, at, the, at the projector to just put up some slides um, that I came across. Next slide, please. Okay, so we are, we are concluding the worry free life. Joyce Meyer, I like this picture. It makes it look really pretty. <laughs> Joyce Meyer says, worrying is like a rocking chair. Always in motion, but not going anywhere. Guys, when we're worrying, we are playing, we are, we are regurgitating in our minds things that are not going to take us forward in our lives. Things that are not going to take us anywhere. And so Jesus says, do not worry. In the next slide, I like this slide, it's the don't worry, be happy wheel. I like that song. It's quite prophetic. I wonder if it was written by someone in church. Well, if it wasn't, we're taking it anyway. Don't worry, be happy. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how big you, oh, the font is, right? but, uh, but to summarize this, this, this wheel, right? In essence, what it's saying is that over 80% of the things that we worry about are things that either will never happen, things in the past that have happened that we can't change anyway, criticism from others. I mean, things that we can do nothing about. Worrying is a big waste of time, guys. And, and, and I shared with the church this morning that I actually had an opportunity to like practice what I preached. I had an opportunity to worry because how many of you know that every day you are faced with an opportunity yeah. to worry? You don't even have to look for those opportunities. Sometimes they even come to your phone on WhatsApp. Okay? <laughs> They're there. Yeah. You're going to have an opportunity to worry. And so on Wednesday, um, as I'm at work, my mentor calls me, okay? Yeah. And she says, listen, you know, I'm, I was meant to uh, preach at a conference, um, at a women's conference on Saturday night, and I'm not going to be able to make it. Can you make it? And now my mentor is an MD of a really big organization, right? Kenneth Copeland Ministries. So those are big shoes to fill, right? And so she said, listen, you pray about it and just get back to me, right? Guys, I spent 45 minutes, instead of praying about it, I spent 45 minutes deliberating, entertaining the thoughts and ideas and suggestions of the enemy. I mean, he said to me, you know what? When, as soon as they put up your name, no one's going to come to that conference. Sure. You're not going to be able to speak at that conference as confidently as your mentor. You're not going to do it. You're not going to make it. How are you going to do it? You have a sermon, two sermons that you have to preach at on the Sunday. And you want to speak on Saturday. And your husband's away. And you've got to wash and clean and eat, feed your children. You're not going to do it. I spent 45 minutes entertaining those lives until I realized, no. And I told him to shut up. I SMS my mentor and I said, I'm going to do it. Because how many of you know when God has called you, he's going to equip you? When God has called you, he is going to equip you. When God has given you a vision, he will provide the provision. Amen. And so I said, I'm going to do it. To cut a long story short, I spoke last night. The ladies were blessed, 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 blessed. We had a good time in the Lord. So I spent 45 minutes of my time, 45 minutes of my life, that I'm never going to get back. I spent on worrying over something that never manifested. Amen. And so Jesus says, do not worry. Worrying is a waste of time. And what makes worrying even more serious is that when it's left unchecked, when you meditate on the lies of the enemy and you leave them unchallenged, 
It invites the spirit of fear to enter into your life and completely wreak havoc in your life. <coughs> Last year I preached a sermon about the tent of fear, the dangers of fear. And we learned that when fear escalates, when fear becomes extreme and irrational, we develop what are called phobias. And so I want to share with you this morning some phobias that I've come across. And these are, these are things that people are living with on a daily basis. These are, these are fears that have bound people. Fears that have prevented people from moving forward in all that God has called them. All because they entertained worry. Worry was left in challenge and it developed into fear. And fear became extreme that it became a phobia. And so I want to share some phobias that I came across. The first one I came across was agoraphobia. This is a fear of being alone or in open spaces. And so someone with agoraphobia will never be caught in this church. Someone with agoraphobia will never be caught in church. Receiving the very word that will set them free from this bondage. Social phobia. Fear of embarrassment in social settings. And I'm not talking just about a, you know, a minor embarrassment. You know, sometimes we say something and we're embarrassed about it. And I'm talking about someone who doesn't even want to go into a social setting because they are fearing that they're going to be embarrassed even before they've even said something. And so they just never do anything. Xanthophobia. This is the fear of the color yellow. <laughs> someone with xanthophobia is afraid of yellow. And I said to the guys here this morning, I have no idea how they, how they can support Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> because Kaiser Chiefs' uniform is yellow. I suppose they'll have to support Arsenal. <laughs> Throwing my husband under the bus. Prosophobia is the fear of progress. There's some people who are afraid of progressing in life, of being a great success. There's some people who purposely sabotage themselves so that they are not successful in life. Prosophobia. I'll leave you with two. Magarocobia phobia. <laughs> I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. This one's quite a tough one. And this one again, I'm going to throw my husband, Pastor Tavara, under the bus. Oh, he's in Katu, by the way. He's ministering and preaching in Katu, by the way. He sends all his love to you, okay? But this magarocobia phobia is one that he developed this is a fear of cooking. <laughs> and so the day we got married, Pastor Rob put his hand up and said, I got my carophobia I'm afraid of cooking. I'm not going to cook. Come on. I'm afraid of cooking. <laughs> and the last one is a blutophobia. This one's a fear of bathing. Sure. And I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands and ask who's got this fear. Okay? If, if you're sitting next to someone with this fear, just like, you know, pray for them, please. Okay? But you know, guys, we laugh, you know, and, and, and really it does seem so funny, but people are living with these fears. Yeah. These fears are so real to people who have to live with them day after day, after month after month. Yeah. It's said that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. Fear develops when we meditate continuously on the thoughts, the ideas, the suggestions that the lie presents our way. Yeah. Yeah. False evidence appearing real. False evidence which becomes a reality in our lives if we let it. And so this morning, Faithful Church, I want to tell you to stop worrying. Don't worry. Be happy. Stop being anxious. Be happy. 
And so if this morning you've come here and you've come with something that's heavy, you've come with something that's burdensome, you've come and you're just so weighed down with stresses, worry, anxiety, maybe this morning you didn't even sleep. I want to exhort you to listen. I want to encourage you this morning with some good news. You are not going to leave with those burdens. The moment you walk out of those doors, those burdens will be gone. You are going to sleep tonight and every other night. Because we're going to give you some tools that are going to equip you and empower you to live the worry-free life. Amen. Amen. Isn't this awesome? So I'm going to look at a few scriptures about worry. You know, when my husband told me that I needed to preach today, and he already preached three sermons about worry, and I thought, are you kidding me? What more am I going to say? I mean, really? Threw me under the bus, okay? But there's a lot more. You know, God's word is so amazing. God's grace is just incremental. And his revelation is never ending. Okay, so yes, we're going to look at some scriptures that we looked at before, but we're also going to have to look at some really great ones that, you know, he gave me as I was preparing for this message, okay? And then I'm going to give you some keys that I have applied in my own life to help you win this war, this war against worry, because it is a war. We are in war here. And we're going to give you some practical tips about how to win this war of worry, okay? The first thing that I want to point out to you is that worry chokes the word, and it stops you from being fruitful, Worry chokes the word, and it stops you from being fruitful. I want us to go quickly to Mark uh, 4, and we're going to start in verse 14, and, and we're going to look at the parable of the sower, okay? Before we get there, I just want to give you some context for some of you who may not be familiar with this parable, right? So Jesus is telling his disciples a parable about a sower who sows a seed. A sower is really like a farmer, right? So a farmer who comes and sows a seed, right? And the Bible says that the sower sows the seed on four types of ground. The first one is he sows the seed by the wayside. The second type of ground is a stony ground. And the third type is, is amongst thorns and thistles. And the last ground, he says, is, is good ground, right? And this is the only good ground or good soil or the good or only type of ground which actually uh, results in that seed becoming fruitful. And so as we start Mark 4 verse 14 we see Jesus start to actually interpret that parable, okay? And so Jesus says, the sower sows the word, okay? So the word is actually, Jesus is revealing that the seed that was being sown is actually the word of God. Okay, we like it to the word of God being sown in our hearts, okay? Verse 15 says, the ones along the path are those who have sown the, oh, sorry, have, have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts, so for these type of people, the word is preached in church. And immediately, as soon as they've heard this word, Satan comes and he takes that word from them by force. Could I have it by the, in the Amplified Version, Amplified Classic Version? I think it, it actually describes it quite nicely. Uh, Mark 4 verse 15, if I can have it in the Amplified Classic. So here the Amplified Classic says, when they hear this word, Satan comes at once. I mean, Satan does not want you to hear the word sure. because he knows that when the word is planted so deeply in your heart, you receive it, you believe it, you meditate, it, you confess it, it's going to produce some fruit in your life and you're going to be successful. Mm. And so he says, this type of ground, the people hear the, the word, he comes at once and he takes that word by force. Mm. 
and so the word doesn't bear fruit in their lives. The next verse, Mark 4 verse 16 says, And in the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. I mean, these guys have graduated one um, level higher. They're quite joyful when they hear this word. Yeah. Next verse says, And they have no real root in themselves. And so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they are immediately offended. They become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Okay, so again we see this type of God, this type of people, the word they receive with joy, but when trials, tribulations, which, which are coming to everyone, by the way, come, these guys get offended, okay? And what happens is this, this, this word does not become fruitful in their lives. And so I want us now to go to verse uh, four, Mark 4, verse 18. Okay. And the ones sown among the thorns are ones who hear the word. And this is where we're going to camp a little bit, okay? So we're going to go to Mark 4, verse 19. Then the cares and anxieties of the world and the deceit and the distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word. And it, in other words, the word becomes fruitless. So we're going to camp here a little bit. And I just want to, I want to, I want you guys to, I want to point out two things for you that we can learn from this, uh, this, this verse. The first thing really is this, that the Greek word translated cares and anxieties is literally defined as an over-engrossing mental affair. It's really a condition or a situation that takes all of your attention. And that's really what you're doing when you're worrying. You're saturating your mind with a, with a situation that completely dominates and takes over your mind. And so Jesus says in Mark 4 verse 19, Then the cares and anxieties of the world, in other words, an engross, over-engrossing mental affair, creeps in and chokes and suffocates the word. And so the first thing that I want you to notice is this. That these cares and anxieties creep in. They creep in. And the analogy I really get of this is of, um, of, of a weed, a weeds in a garden. When weeds take over a garden. Cares and worries take over our thoughts in the exact same way. I've got a question for you. When do you actually notice that weeds have taken over your garden? When they've really started populating your garden and have completely taken over your garden, right? Mm. Let's be honest. Very few of us notice when, you know, we have one or two weeds popping, like, you know, we've got a problem here. We only really notice those weeds when they've completely over-dominated our gardens. Right. Amen. And so this is the same way that cares, worries, and anxieties creep in. You may not even notice what's happening until it's actually really a problem. Mm-hmm. And how do these cares and anxieties creep in? They enter in when the enemy's thoughts, ideas, and suggestions go unchallenged by the word of God. As these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions go unchallenged by the word of God, they completely begin to overwhelm the garden of our minds. And church, some of these considerations may seem so minor and so petty. But as we continue to meditate and chew on them, and and as we continue to not challenge these thoughts, 
with the word of God, they will begin to overwhelm the garden of our mind. And, and so I thought about what, what thoughts, what thoughts are sometimes, uh, you know, apparently, you know, minor. And maybe, maybe it's a thought like this. Maybe your car breaks down, right? And then you start thinking, oh my word, I don't have motor insurance. <gasps> my car is out of plan. How am I going to be able to pay? I don't have money in my account. You don't challenge that word with the word of God, that thought stays in your mind. And maybe you're at work and you're sitting there minding your own business and someone starts to whisper in your ear, you know what, I heard this company is going to go bankrupt. (laughs) And the enemy starts bombarding your mind with some lies and he starts saying, you are going to lose your job. If you lose your job, what are you going to do? You have two kids. How are you going to feed your two kids? You have a house. How are you going to pay the house? The house is a mortgage. You have a car. And those, if those thoughts, those ideas, those suggestions go unchallenged by the word of God, they're going to choke the word of God right. from manifesting and being fruitful in your life. Amen. Amen. The second thing that I want you to notice is that when these thoughts, these suggestions, these ideas start to dominate your mind and, 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 and you do not deal with them, the scripture says they begin to choke and suffocate the word. Church, worry hinders the grace of God flowing in your life. Worry hinders the word from being fruitful in your life. And I've actually got an experiment. I have no idea how I'm going to do this with like one hand. But, <laughs> okay, stand in one place. Okay. It's on now. Oh, it's on. Welcome. Okay. Marshall, if I can have my pipe, please. Okay, this pipe is for demonstration purposes. It's not to beat anyone. <laughs> okay. We all know that as a believer, um, God's grace has been amply and liberally uh, provided to us, right? Yeah. And really what God's grace is, it's his, it's his provision for every need that we might have in our lives. Okay? And so God's grace is available to us. But Romans 5 verse 2 says we access this grace by our faith. In other words, this grace does not come to pass automatically in our lives. We need to use our faith to access God's provision and it's his manifold provision and cause it to pass in our lives. Okay? And so I want us to imagine and really use, a, use your imaginations quite, you know, well. But I want us to imagine this pipe as our faith, okay? And this huge bowl of water as God's unlimited grace. And so God's grace is always available. And through our faith, we can access this grace into our lives, which is the bowl underneath, by faith. And so maybe this morning you need a grace for healing. That healing is available. Access it into your life by faith. Maybe this morning you need a grace of prosperity. Maybe you need prosperity to manifest in your life. How do you access it? Because it's available. It's always flowing. It's always there. Access it into your life, into your heart, by faith. Maybe today you need a grace for your marriage. Maybe you just need a grace for your marriage. And I'm here this morning to tell you that there is a grace for a good marriage. Amen. Amen. And how do you access that grace? You access it by faith. Yeah. Amen. There we go. There's some grace into my life. Good marriage for my life. Amen. I take it by faith. Right. So when you worry, okay, and this is where it gets quite interesting. 
When you worry, it's as if you're choking your faith, suffocating your faith, suffocating this pipe that is really causing the grace of God to manifest in your life. And so what happens when you worry? God's grace is still flowing, right? But because it's being hindered, because it's being suffocated, because your worry is blocking and choking the word from manifesting and passing and being fruitful in your life, there's just nothing. There's just nothing you're experiencing. And this is, this is quite drastic. Because you may even be in church. You may even be reading your Bible. You may even be going to prayer meeting and praying. But for as long as you are warring, you are choking the word. You are blocking the word. You are suffocating the word. And God's grace cannot flow. God's grace cannot manifest in your life where there is worry. And so that grace will not flow in your life. And church, this morning I want to tell you that in order for His grace to start flowing in your life, all you need to do is cast away that worry. Sorry. <laughs> Throw it away. Amen. Give it to God. You were never designed to carry worry, stress, and, and anxiety. God knew this because He knew that worry is the one thing that will choke the word and cause the word for becoming unfruitful in your life. So cast it away. And when you cast away that worry, guess what? His grace starts flowing into your life again. Amen. His manifold grace for every need that you have starts manifesting in your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so if you want to live a fruitful life, if you want to live a, a life full of success, victory, you need to watch your worry meter. That's it. Get rid of that worry. That's it. Get rid of that worry. Get rid of that anxiety. Get rid of that fear. And watch that victory manifest in your life. Amen. The second thing I want to mention is to be worried and to be anxious is actually to be self-centered and self-focused. It really, it really is. There's no nicer way in which I can say this. I cannot sugarcoat it. But when you're actually worried, you're actually just being self-centered. You're actually just being self-focused. And, and, and at the end of the day, you're actually challenging the goodness of God. You're saying, I actually don't trust that God is good. You're saying, I actually don't trust God's faithfulness. Worry is being self-centered. Worry is being self-focused. Go with me quickly to 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 in the Amplified. I actually quite like this translation. In the Amplified Classic, it says, But understand this, that in the last days will come, set in perilous times, times of great stress, Times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Church, we're in the last days. And I don't know about you, but I shared with you those statistics. I mean, if we're the second most stressed out countries, we're in those days. Okay? And so the Bible is saying, in those last days, we're going to see times of great stress and great trouble. Verse 2 tells us why we're going to see those times of great stress and great trouble. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. In other words, people will look to themselves to solve their problems instead of focusing on the one who really can help. I've got a slide I wanted to want to show you. 
if you can just show them the last slide with the word anxious. You see, when we focus on self, we become worried and we become stressed. Okay, I've got this word anxious. Okay? And I've got a question for you. What's the letter in the middle of the word anxious? And I've actually colored it in red, just in case you can't spell. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the letter in the middle? I, right? Okay? There's a lesson in this word anxious. This word anxious is actually preaching to us. I think I can actually just sit down, right? When you focus on I, when you focus on self, you become anxious. When you focus on how am I going to provide for my children? How am I going to pay for my bills? How am I going to heal myself? How am I going to be a good mother? You become anxious. You become stressed. And you become fearful. When we focus on our own limited abilities, instead of focusing on God's limitless abilities, we become anxious. We become stressed. And we become worried. You see, church, God never intended for us to live a life full of worry, fear, anxiety. He never did. Our bodies literally break down when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're worried. And so we need to stop stressing. We need to stop being anxious. And how do we do that? Matthew 11, verse 28 in the Amplified. Jesus is saying, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened. If I can have it in the Amplified Classic, thank you. And I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Psalm 55, verse 22 in the Amplified. So again, we, we just see constant reference to God saying, come to me if you're heavy laden. Come to me if you're burdened. Cast your burdens to me. <coughs> and the reason why he says this is because you were never meant to carry these heavy burdens. You were never meant to carry these loads, this anxiety and this stress. Psalm 55 verse 2, if I can have it in the Amplified Classic. Is it Psalm, 50, sorry, Psalm 55 verse 22 in the Amplified Classic. And I'll read it. It says, cast your burden on the Lord. We learned last week that the word cast means to hurl, to throw, to throw by force. We need to throw by force our burdens onto the Lord, releasing the weight of it. You see, God never meant for us to be overburdened, overwhelmed by our burdens, our cares and anxiety. He wants us to be free, to be light, so that we can run our race, finish our race, become victorious, and see victory in everything that we do. And so God says, cast your burden onto me, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, to slip, to fall, or to fail. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. And I'm going to start from verse 6 again in the Amplified Classic. We read again from last week that God says, don't focus on yourself to solve your problems. Humble yourself. And we learned again, how do we humble ourselves? We can go to verse 6, 1 Peter 5, verse 6 in the Amplified Classic. How do we humble ourselves? So 1 Peter 5, verse 6 says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And I don't know of any safer place to be than under the mighty hand of God. But God says, humble yourself under his mighty hand, that in due time you may, he may exalt you. And so how do you humble yourself? 1 
Peter 5 verse 7 answers it. It says, casting the whole of your care. All your anxieties. Now all in, uh, in Greek and Hebrew and in French, in Suju, in Suju, all means all. All is all. All of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all, church. You know, this is how good God is. He says, you know what? Cast them all to me. And just, just, just cast them once and for all. Pastor Tafara gave a really good illustration about our anxieties being represented as bags, heavy bags. And he says, God is saying, give me those bags. Give me those burdens. Don't come back for them. Yeah, amen. Do not dare come back for them. Amen. I want you to go and run your race unhindered. And so God is saying, cast all of your cares once and for all on him. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately. I'm here to tell someone here this morning that God cares for you affectionately. God loves you. And he cares about you watchfully. I love the J.B. Phillips translation of this, of this verse. It says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him. For you are his personal concern. You are God's personal concern, church. He is personally concerned about everything and anything that affects you. The Moffat translation of the Bible says he has great interest. God doesn't just have interest in you. He has great interest in you. He has interest in everything that touches you. He has interest in everything that you're worried about, everything that you're stressing about. God is interested in it. And because he doesn't want you to carry it, he's saying, cast it to me. Stop being worried. I will take care of you. Amen. 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 And, and so I just want to encourage you this morning, church, that we need to, we need to start to trust God. God is faithful. God does not want us to be stressed, overloaded, overburdened, and anxious. And all you need to do is just cast all of those things to Him once and for all. And He'll take care of you. Amen. And so, in closing, what is this tip? What is this practical tip that'll help you to live a worry free life? I'm just going to quickly summarize the four points that Pastor Tafara had, just for the benefit of those that are new here this morning. Um, so tip number one was don't concern yourself with other people think about you. That's a big one. That's a big one in this world today. Do not be concerned about what other people think of you. Guys, what other people think about you is actually none of your business. Amen. Your business is to know what God thinks about you. Amen. And God thinks you're awesome. Yeah. God thinks you're precious. God thinks you are a great success. Amen. Thank you. And so people will, every day, you'll get an opportunity for people to remark. I mean, I'm a social media fundi. I live on social media. And, and every day I get comments, and most of them are not good. But I don't care. Because I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm encouraging others. What other people think about you is none of your business. Be free this morning. Be free this morning. Okay. Number two was become a committed praise and worshiper. Number three was keep your mind renewed. Keep your mind renewed by the word of God. Number four was become an encourager because we learned that those people that refresh others are themselves encouraged. Those people that encourage each other are themselves encouraged free and become free from anxiety, worry, and stress. Amen. And so the last tip I want to leave with you this morning 
is really just this, and it's so simple, it's the message of my life. But it's to speak back to worrisome thoughts with the word of God. Speak back immediately with thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. Speak back to them with the word of God. Don't let them dwell in the garden of your mind. Don't even give them a second to breathe. The instant they come into your mind, you cast them out with the word of God. Amen. Matthew 6 verse 31 says, therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or whither shall we be clothed. Jesus is saying, take no thought saying. You see, we can defeat fears, anxieties, worries and concerns if we simply refuse to give voice to them. We can literally take our worries and bring them to pass in our lives when we speak of them. Words give authority and substance to invisible thoughts and feelings. And once these thoughts and feelings are expressed in words, they have authority to take root in our lives. They have an authority to dominate our lives. Proverbs 6 verse 22 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. In other words, you are trapped by the words that you speak. It also says, You are taken by the words of your mouth. And so whether the words of your mouth are good or bad, those words will dominate your life. And so how I have personally used these scriptures is that the moment a thought, a thought of anxiety, a thought of lack, a thought of fear, a thought that is contrary to the word of God, whenever that thought comes to my mind, I immediately cast it out of the word of God. And church, it's not easy. You're really going to have to work hard at it. And when I began to get a hold of these truths, I'd find I'd have to confess the word of God against and over these warriors and thought, not once, not twice, three times in one minute. Because I knew I had to fight this war. Amen. Amen.